I need to pay for this shit. That's what she said. All right, let's do this. Here we go. You know it'll be better if you pay. All right, here we go. Welcome to P3 Radio. The monkey only dances as good as the guy grinding the organ handle. Demolition! We're coming for you, baby! <laughs> that was my moment of I carried a watermelon. And if you're going to call me back tomorrow, whatever I do, I'm... You better believe I took my turn a little bit. <laughs> what? Cool story, bro. PG3 Radio. Nope. Here's your host, Josh Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, next up we have crying little blonde children. Richard Mulliken. I don't know. Is this making any sense to anybody out there? It's showtime! It's showtime! It's showtime! Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, joined by my co-host and best friend, Josh Briley. Say hey, Josh. Are you ready? To get extreme, Richard. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I'm here. Well, that's good because our guest, you're gonna have to. We got Mikey Whipwreck. Yes, we got Triple Crown winner for ECW, Mikey Whipwreck. He's gonna be joining us here in a minute, talking ECW, his time in WCW, and a whole lot of other things. And we will have that interview with Mikey Whipwreck right after these words from. Who are we going with? ScoreBig is the leading online marketplace for tickets to sports, concerts, theater, and family events. ScoreBig allows you to purchase last-minute tickets to sold-out events. Also, the latest on sales of popular artists, teams, and productions. They'll get you in. They safeguard your transaction with a 100% money-back guarantee under a secure checkout with interactive seat maps to guide your purchase. Whether it's an Atlanta Braves game, Metallica concert, or a WWE event, they've got you covered. Book your seats now at tinyurl.com slash p3events. That's tinyurl.com slash p3events. He speaks fluent Klingon. Backwards. The best story he's ever told was to himself. Of the two women he slept with in his life, one fell asleep, the other thought he was someone else. Dogs take him for walks. He is the world's most semi-interesting man. I don't often smoke, but when I do, I only choose Vista Vapors. Visit them today at tinyurl.com slash p3vista. Keep it flavorful, my friends. Welcome back to more P3 Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the P3 Radio hotline right now is former ECW Triple Crown winner, Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey, thanks for being on with us today on P3 Radio. Gentlemen, what's going on? Oh, it's, man, we're doing great, man. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm doing. How can I be a former Triple, triple Crown winner? Either are, I'm a triple crown winner or I'm not. Well, <laughs> are you still the triple crown winner? <laughs> Do you have all the titles yeah, still? Take, I did. You I didn't have them all the ones. Okay. That, you can't take that away. Okay. Exactly. Well, still am, in the books. I am sorry for sliding you, sir. I'll, I'll, again. Here, I'll, I'll do the. I'll do it over here again. From Ladies the top. And, oh. 
Here we go. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the P3 hotline right now, ECW Triple Crown winner, Mikey Whitbread. Mikey, thanks for being on the show today. Gentlemen, what's going on? Doing great, man. How about you? Now, see, that was much better the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, were you and your friends backyard wrestlers or? Oh, yeah. Did you have like a, a promotion or anything? Me and my, my buddy Richard, we had the IWO and we had people like in the neighborhood and all that. We would trade the titles, but it was like a shoot deal. Did you go that far or? Uh, we had a promotion. It was the uh, HWA. It was the Holbrook Wrestling Alliance, which is a, a town uh, by where I grew up. And then it uh, progressed. And when we actually started running real shows out of school going, and uh, we asked, you know, got a little warehouse going. So then it became, HWA became the Hardcore Wrestling Alliance because that was, you know, the hardcore backing thing in the mid to late 90s. So when we started working our promotion a little bit more, instead of doing like just shoot matches and stuff, we had this title that we called the Eastport Championship. And it was like right. a joke title. Eastport was not a great part of town. And the joke was if you won the title, you had to live there. So the angle was, if you won the title, you had to live there. So we were doing like South Park, trying to bat yourself out because you don't want to play uh, baseball anymore. So the people right. every day would try to lose the title, and oh, it was it was fun, man. Uh, we had a ladder match one time, and the belt just hung there, and we stood there and looked at each other. <laughs> nice, that's funny. Yeah, no, when I was doing the backyard stuff, we didn't have all the uh, it was the tables and stuff really, and that was kind of it came a little bit later, right? But because we're talking late 80s, early 90s, before the table was in vogue. Right. Did y'all record anything, or was it just happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, we recorded. Maybe one day I'll put out, like, a uh, a, a Mikey uh, <laughs> before they were started DVD. <laughs> Best of the Backyard, HWA. Did anybody else that was in the uh, Backyard Corporation, did anybody else make it into wrestling? Uh, Paul Loria, he had a uh, – basically all, all of them did in, in the uh, – Indie scene in Long Island. Nice. But uh, Paul Loria, he did a thing with me in ECW for a bit, and uh, Norman Norman did. And all those guys, they, they, did, uh, they did all right. I uh, remember the, the giant Paul Loria. He was... Him, the uh, giant. It, I love that gimmick. He would come out, and he would had the leather jacket. He was your classic prick, you know? <laughs> he was. He was. Which is... Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say the takeoff on his real-life persona. Right, but uh, he was the most outgoing, friendly of of the group of our little clique we had. <laughs> but he was always very—he always had that, you know, the little the little ego. Right. Know? So it, it kind of it kind of went really good. His head was as big as his five foot four frame. At point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Did you go to wrestling school, or was it just on the job training? Pretty much on the job, because when I was breaking in, my friends, you know, being five foot nine, you know, hundred and like sixty pounds, right. you know. There was, there was no chance in hell of me being any type of pro wrestler. So they, they let me come down while my buddy was training because he joined the gym. And uh, Sonny Blaze, he actually owned the school, if you could call it that. And uh, he would let me, you know, train for free if, I, if I'd clean the gym and things like that. So I kind of broke in that way. And then uh, he rented the ring to ECW. And I was doing the ring crew on it, and that's just kind of how it started from there. Right. So it was really on the job because Sonny didn't really – he did a couple of job matches for the WWF, you know, in the early nineties. Yeah, I remember but, the uh, his, Yeah, his, he he taught us work the left and side, say hi to everybody in the locker room. 
but uh, didn't really teach us much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was funny, though. He, he wanted to get into ECW. So, like, 97, 98, I guess, when I was working at the ECW school training people, um, after I was basically retrained, um, he called the school and, uh, you know, wanted to get in ECW. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I've been out of the game for a little bit. He goes, oh, that's cool. I'll have Mikey train you. <laughs> so I was, uh, <laughs> he never called back. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, well, it, was kind of, it was kind of a nice little, little shot there. Right. <laughs> hey, karma works, man. Yeah. I heard a story. I read Mick Foley's book when I was in high school, and you were all over his first book in the ECW chapter. And he talked right. about in that book that you were part of the ring crew, and one day mm-hmm. Paul Paulie saw you doing these corner backflips and was just like, wow, I could do something with this kid, and pulled you in. Is that story accurate, or how did you kind of get your start in ECW? That's pretty much accurate. That was it. I did a uh, – here's a good story. I, I've told a couple times, but uh, – I was doing the ring crew, and, you know, the, like the story you just told. And mm-hmm. Paulie says to me, hey, do you want to wrestle? I go, uh, okay. He goes, he goes, what's your name? I'm like, John. <laughs> He's like, what's your middle name? I'm like, Michael. Oh, okay. And walked away. Now, I had no gear, nothing. So that dragon shirt that I wore, I had that in my bag that my buddy Mike got me for Christmas. So I just had to have it in a bag. I brought a pair of red shorts from Donnie Allen, and I wore... Uh, just a pair of tennis sneakers, you know, in my first match. So I, right. you know, he goes, okay, well, you're going to wrestle Mr. Hughes. Um, you'll wrestle, I think, Taz and Kevin Sullivan. And maybe there was somebody else I don't remember. And I'm like, okay, it was a TV taping. So Mr. Hughes had like three matches. Taz and Sullivan had like three matches. And I remember Mr. Hughes goes to me. He goes, uh, you take a sidewalk from now? I said, <laughs> yes, sir. You're going to jump real high? I said, yes, sir. And he went, good. And that's all he said. <laughs> so I remember sitting there, I'm nervous, and I'm pacing back and forth. And I didn't know they had, like, a lineup posted on the wall. I didn't know this. You know, studying places is great teaching. You know, didn't, didn't, I, I didn't know anything, right? So I'm just sitting there waiting, you know. And I hear, okay, Mikey Whipper, I go to the ring. And I just sit there. Mikey Whipwreck, go to the ring. And I'm looking, you know, looking around for this guy, Mikey, right? Well, Paul Lee, if, if you've ever been to the ECW Arena, it had uh, stairs up to the big stage where the camera, the hard camera was. Right. So Paul comes throwing me down the stairs, marching over to me with the Paul Heyman walk. And says, are you going to go to the ring? I go, why? He goes, you're Mikey Whipwreck. And I went, oh. <laughs> so I'm walking to the ring, my first match. Gonna wrestle Mr. Hughes is like 400 pounds. I'm scared to death, and I'm already in trouble. So I'm thinking, great. <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Hughes, uh, I worked in the Memphis territory for a little while, and they used to bring Hughes in for TV, and he would fall asleep in production meetings. And uh, yeah, right, did he stay awake during the match, or did he fall asleep flipping you off because his fingers stuck, uh, like he did everybody in the back? No, he was fine. I, I remember the story of Paul Heyman. Paul told us that he fell asleep taking a backdrop. <laughs> that's dude. That's pretty much accurate. And yeah, uh, we had heat with him coming in because they brought us in as these bodyguards, and they wanted us to wrestle in suits. Well, here's Mr. Right. Hughes. He's been doing it for twenty five, thirty years, 
And yeah. needless to say, that di- that gimmick didn't stay over very long, and we were out of those suits and back to jobbing out and everything. But yeah, he would just fall asleep. You said Mr. Hughes, and I was just like, all I could think about was him falling asleep, and his I think it was his left hand, his middle finger was permanently out. And yeah, it was some kind of you take you're pointing at me. You take yeah. a sidewalk <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> you gotta jump real high. Yes, sir. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's that, yeah, that, that little thing that you stick your hat every time you take a sidewalk slam. <laughs> you, you, you gotta do like the lip, like make the mean face at the same time. Right. Was he still wearing the sunglasses? Oh yeah, he was yeah. a full gimmick, right? Yeah. <laughs> he used to fall asleep. That's why we didn't know. He used to wear the sunglasses in the got back. The fucking sunglasses yeah, on. in TV, <laughs> and they'd be like, "So we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and this, in this segment, because it was all had to be on TV. Right. So it was like an hour yeah. broadcast, and they had to have the times laid out because it was live to tape. And they'd be like, "Then it would be Hughes' segment. Hughes, you good with that?" Hughes, you good with that? And he wouldn't be snoring; he would just be sitting there. So I gotta, I gotta change, I gotta change my story. So a, you know, so Curtis stood up to me and goes, "Go, hey, you take a sidewalk slam? Yes, sir. You gonna jump real? <laughs> gonna change my story? Did, did <laughs> I make it a little more entertaining? Did I offend you, Mr. Hughes? Why are you flipping me the bird? <laughs> it's just my hand. That's the way it is. Before the rock and sock connection and Austin and Dude Love, we had Cactus and Mikey. Now, yes. was that Paulie's idea to pair you up or just because he kind of helped you out a little bit? I think it was Todd Gordon's idea. And it was all a fluke thing because that was the night of the that NWA tournament we did. Right. And Terry Funk wasn't showing up. Was his so horse sick? Did he have God a damn sick it, horse? I'm not, I'm not coming down there. This is horse shit. God damn it. Your mother's a whore. God damn it. But, but he wasn't coming. So, you know, it was supposed to be Cactus and Terry versus the public enemy. Wow. And, you know, they were thinking about it. Who are we going to get to replace, you know, Terry Funk? Who can replace Terry Funk? You know, like, oh, we can call, you know, Abdullah, we could get, we, they, but they couldn't get anybody, right? So Todd Gordon goes, hey, how about Mikey? And I guess Paul's eyes went up and he was like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> so I remember seeing Todd Gordon in the elevator. I was headed over to the building because we did the ring. I was doing the ring crew. We set it up. I went back to get a, uh, a shower at the hotel. And Terry goes, hey, champ, you, you wouldn't have the cactus tonight. And I go, okay, you're funny. <laughs> well, get to the building and holy shit! And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, these people are gonna fucking hate me because I would hate me. If I, hey, we get to Terry Funk. No, no. And here comes fucking Mikey. Great <laughs> refund. Right. But yeah, no, it worked out pretty good. Though. But you know, it's, well, obviously, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, exactly. you know, that was one of my favorite gimmicks when I first. Started. That was around the time we first started watching ECW. And right. that was one of my favorite gimmicks that you, you're coming back and you're trying to give the belt back. It was almost like the eSport title. You're trying to give it <laughs> yeah. back. I, I can't do this. My mom don't want me to wrestle. And the whole time Mick's just like, you're, you, you're the champ, Mikey. Let's do this. You know? Oh, man. We got your back, Mikey. <laughs> it, it was funny, too, because it, it was a legitimate shoot that I was the tag belt. To take, yeah, I think it was the tag champ for Cactus. Mm-hmm. And we had, ECW had a, a run of shows in Florida. 
and then my mom wouldn't let me go. <laughs> How old were you at the time? Uh, like, I think it was like 20, maybe, 21. Wow. But I was still, but I was still living at home. It was like right. very, very old school conservative. You live right, in the buy right. room, you, yep. you pay by my rules, you know. <laughs> right. So it was one of those. I'm my like, mom was the same way, man. Yeah, I mean. I'm like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> like mom, like, seriously, like, she goes, you're not going to Florida to do that wrestling with those crazy people. <laughs> but it's on the Sunshine Network. I yeah. mean, if you got satellite, you could watch it. Yeah. And, and I just remember looking at my dad going, Dad, come on. And he, my dad he always had a, a habit when he was, uh, when he wanted to make a very specific point, he would hold out his palm and just, the three fingers, you know, like almost like a scout's daughter thing, like the three fingers in the middle. <laughs> yeah. You know, he'd put his fingers in his, in his other palm and go and very, you know, like slap his, his palm with his fingers going, your mother said, you're not going. You're not going. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, I, I remember, I remember telling, I go, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I, I think I just turned twenty-one, like like a month or so before that. Right. Was that that tournament was in October, in uh, August? I think. Uh huh. Uh, my birthday June fourth, so nineteen seventy-three. So it wasn't like, you know, I was definitely twenty-one and definitely like mortified to right. tell Paul and Todd, "Hey, I you know I can't go to Florida." Like, oh, why not? And I go, well, I would love to say that I'm double booked, but <laughs> I'm grounded. <laughs> My mom's not gonna let me have the car to drive down. So, did did you uh, make? It was like super strict with kids. Like you know, like you know, I'd be like twenty years old living home, you know, and then uh, like my curfew was like twelve o'clock. So I'd have to, whenever I was out, I have to come home twelve o'clock. Like my parents, the way my house was, they they had their bedrooms on on the main floor of the house. So we, I go in the side door, go to bed. Hey, mom, dad, I'm home. I'd go, oh, okay, see you tomorrow. And I would go walk out the front and sneak out the front door back to my friends who had never left. So as long as I just came in and just snuck out of the house, you know, come back at like four in the morning, you know, but it was like, good Lord. Did, did you have a tape recorder too that had like a three hour loop of you snoring and stuffed your bed with pillows or were they, t did they uh, just never check? They never checked. They, oh. they, it was just one of those. Thank God. You know, once they said I'm in. I was in, you know, it was always, it was always oh, the, the top secret mission to get back in the house. It was always the, <laughs> the hard trek. Because, you know, cause my brother, my brother, he would do the same thing. You know, he was, uh, he's two years younger than me, so he would he would do the same thing. And, uh, you know, if he wanted to be like a dick, like he'd get home before me. You know, he'd get home like three in the morning, but he'd lock up the doors. Hell you know, cause, no. Cause we'd, leave the, we'd, we'd leave the front door open, so, you know, we'd just get back in. But uh, he'd lock the door, and i have to, like, Get like a ladder from the shed and like hide up the ladder to my room. <laughs> oh, I had a, I had, a, I had like I had my 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 window in my bedroom. We had the screen. Well, I went to the store, the hardware store, and got like that magnetic, uh, you know, like that magnetic, like like for a vinyl find, right? Yeah, like right. The, the magnetic strips. So I would take like the magnetic strips and like glue it onto the screen, so the screen would open. It would look like it was closed. It was just held with a magnet, so I could get back in the room. That's fucking ingenious, yeah. man. I'm just wondering why your mom and dad never questioned that there was an extension ladder on the side of the house <laughs> that was just there. Well, we had a very we lived right next to the railroad tracks, 
And we had always all kinds of like equipment, like wheelbarrows and ladders and stuff like this. Which in this, in this day and age, probably for security purposes, not the best thing. <laughs> but back in the late '80s, early '90s, you know, this was you know this is how it was in the neighborhood I grew up in. You know, there was just a, you know, we take the ladder and I would just take it and I would just kind of boop and tilt it sideways. It was just laying on the side of the house. So, yeah. so did you end up making it to Florida or? Nope, not that one. Wow. I told you I was grounded. <laughs> <laughs> How soon before your actual match with the Sandman did you know that you'd be winning the world title? Uh, that night. Wow. Damn. Yeah, well, because we, we had done it. We had so many matches, right? And I'm thinking, all right, this is never going to happen. I, I figured they would have pulled the trigger by now. And it was just one of those. Uh, and the night before, I'll never forget, I, I wrestled Stevie Richards, and he beat me clean in the middle. Right. And I remember going, well, so much for that. I'm going, because at that point, Stevie never beat anybody, right. let alone right. be clean in the middle. You know what I mean? Right. I'm going, well, you know, I really fucked up, and he's pissed at me. Or he just, he just changed his mind. So, come the next day at the arena, Paul's like, He's all like excited, like talking to me, and like this. I'm just like, yeah, okay. You know, I thought, or I thought it was happening for months. It's obviously not happening. So he's like, what's what's matter? I go, oh, you know, just kind of. He goes, oh, we're putting the belt on you tonight. I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> I go, yeah, no, okay, because you know, I, I pushed Steve over clean last night. He's like, yeah, I know. That's that's to throw people off. I go, oh, okay. It worked on you bigger. too. It worked on me. Yeah, it worked on me. It's like the biggest mark of everyone. I said, I said, well, he goes, he goes, because if, if you lose to Stevie, who doesn't beat anybody? They're not going to think you're going to win tonight. They're going to think, right? Because it was all the smarts back then, you know. He goes, well, they'll think that's it, you know. I said, ah, you know, especially if we if we tease like we're going to the, the Sam Manson Boston feud, you know, they they won't they won't think you're just you know, that's it. I said, okay, right. Which made sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm still very, I'm still utterly confused. But <laughs> I tell you what, if you look at it from like an outsider's point of view, like we're looking at it, that's ingenious. Because how many times yeah. do they build up this guy and build up this guy? You you can see it now with Roman Reigns. They build up a guy, build up a guy, build up a guy, like Bill Goldberg type style, and then they put the belt on him, and you're like, well, there was that's anticlimactic. This, yeah, Paul Heyman. I mean, he gets credit, but he is probably one of the best minds in the wrestling industry, bar none. Uh, yep. Because just to think to say, hey, this guy, we're going to put him over as our champ. We're going to let him lose tonight cleanly to a guy that rarely ever wins. That's ingenious. Yeah. That's ingenious. That's, yeah, it was. I didn't get it at the time, you know, but it, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I'm going, yeah, that's actually okay. <laughs> I get it. Crowd it's, it's, little stuff like, it's a little stuff like that that Paul did that right. he doesn't get credit for. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, all, you have, all you ever hear about now is, oh, he owes me money. It's like <laughs> 20 something years later, get over it. Right. Um, my question was, I always watch that Sandman, you know, he always had the cane. That Sandman cane, was it as stiff as it looked on TV? Worse. Oh, worse? <laughs> Oh, that thing was fucking brutal. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was, 
it was fucking stiff. <laughs> it had little, it had little like uh, little bands on them, mm-hmm. on the stick. Right. And depending on how many bands he took off, it it would, it would it would loosen up a little bit. But it was still just it was shoot, you know, strips of bamboo, right? Just put together. I mean, it was you know, and he didn't pull that no punches on that fucking thing. <laughs> now he was swinging for the fences all the time. So I want I want to imagine. That when you took that long pause to think how stiff that cane shot was, it was like a Vietnam flashback, and there was that um, silver yeah, some yeah. Bucks bone, silver spoon in hand. <laughs> like in your mind, that was what was going on, and you were like, "Yeah, it was stiff." Yeah, that motherfucker was stiff. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was fucking brutal. And there are many times just think he hit me from the back. He was like wrapped around the back of my head. Hit me in the face and then almost hit me in like the other ear. I mean, that's that's just... yeah. I did as as you. I'm thinking about this chase out. I'm just picturing and going back to those moments. Of just... <laughs> oh, that's great. Even though I gotta go, you... I get I hold on. Excuse me while I go from the greatest hits of the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah, you got that thousand yard stare and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sandman was brutal. <laughs> I can still sell his menthol cigarettes and the pain in my face as he, he drank Miller Light beer. Bullshit! It was Budweiser. I remember. <laughs> and Tabo, no filter, yo. Uh, that's awesome. I'll never, I'll never forget. We were sitting there talking. We were talking about a match, and it was the Sandman and me and beer and everything else. And right. he's he's sitting there thinking. He goes, yo. I got it. Tajiri, you Pearl Harbor him. And then you jab him. I'm going, oh my <laughs> God. You know, because the old Gorilla Monsoon, oh, Pearl Harbor job. Right, you know? right. But yeah, but he's telling Tajiri, okay, you Pearl Harbor him. I'm going, holy fuck. <laughs> he's like, holy shit. You know, and I'm just looking at it. Tajiri looks at me, he's like, uh, weary? I go, yes. That's what he's saying. He comes to the back. Paul's trying to Jew me out of a payday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, Sandman. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's fucking nuts. Any, any, any time uh, we'd be back and, and Hack would be like, he'd be like, yo, oh, my God. I Oh, I got it. Oh, my God. And, and Jimmis would be like, I told you, stop putting over the competition. <laughs> Even though you had been ECW Triple Crown champ and all that, been on top of the mountain, everything in between. Whenever ECW did their invasion of 97 on Raw, were you just a little bit nervous going out there? I could I could barely walk. Both wow. of my knees were so fucked up. My one knee was totally fucked. Um, it was supposed to be spike in Taz, but... Vince said they had too many deadlies on. <laughs> so Pat was like, "Brother," I said, "Well, we'll see. We'll see what we can do." <laughs> so, do a couple of bike it in, do what you got to do, and uh, there it was. But it was, uh, it was. Uh, I was very. Let me, you know the big thing I took away from that whole fucking thing. What's that? That I got fucked. Because Paulie did my ring introduction. 
you have no idea how badly I wanted Howard Finkel. Right. To fucking announce my name. Right. I got fucking Paul doing it. I'm going, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not right. This is not right. Ruined my experience because I didn't get to have Howard Finkel do it. Well, it, in, in hindsight, it would have made sense for Howard Finkel to do it since you guys were kind of the outsiders and nobody was supposed to know about you and what you were and who you were about. So, but yeah, yeah, I would hate that. That if I was, it's kind of like coming to Memphis and not have Lance Russell do your ring announcement. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's like when I, when I won the, the TV title from the Pitbull, mm-hmm. the first one. Mm-hmm. And this is when Joey Styles, Joey Styles was on his hiatus. He had, he was on his, uh, he had quit. Right. Oh, and wow. Jay Sully did the announcement of me winning the uh, TV title. I was going, ah, see, I got fucked again. Yeah. That was a bit awkward. You mean Jay wasn't as good as Joey? I mean, I'm not. <laughs> he had the uh, he had the charisma of cardboard. <laughs> and not the uh, corroded cardboard that has the, no, that no, you no. would use to insulate things. No waves. No, <laughs> no, no, he, he was, he was wet cardboard. <laughs> uh, as, as weird as this may sound. Where did the double knee pads come from? Because I remember as a kid, we used to reenact it because it was a unique look. But the double knee pads, the one on the knee and the one, the Ric Flair style that you wore, where did that come from? Was that part of the storyline? Was that, you know, makeshift kick pads? Where did that whole thing come from? I didn't, I had the, the braces and the knees because my knees were, were getting pretty bad or even back then. Mm-hmm. So I had like, the, the, you know, the neoprene, you know, the strap braces underneath. Mm-hmm. Underneath the white, uh, the white leggings, but uh, I don't know. I just hated the way it looked with the boots around my knees. I, I just it didn't look right to me. And right. I was always like a big fan of uh, the rockers and the Rock and Roll Express with like the boot covers. Oh yeah, yeah. you know. So to have it and be like, oh, I just I didn't like the look for whatever reason. So I said, what if I wear my knee pads? Because what if they'd fall down? And people pick them up, or like people would like adjust their tights. That makes me crazy. <laughs> so, so the knee pads would fall down. I'd just leave them down. I don't want to fix them because, like, well, if I was really in a fight, I really wouldn't be worried about my knee pads. You right. know? So I just got to a point where I just never pulled them up. And I wore them around my ankles. So it's, it was just one of those, it's one of those things. Well, you know, I thought it fit your gimmick at the time very well because, you know, you're trying to give the belt back. So why wouldn't you wear more padding to protect yourself if you don't want to be getting beat up? So I thought it was a storyline thing, but I never knew. So, like, I wanted to ask. It was like it had to be something, but we all loved it because we always wondered why Flair wore them around his calves, and it was because he didn't like his calf definition. So he would wear them low to hide his calves. But I was like, man, he wears two. And then later on, Ahmed Johnson would wear them all the way up, clear, clear to his groin. Fucking thigh pad Johnson. He's <laughs> like, like your baseball players nowadays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's been several yep. stories as to why Todd Gordon left ECW. Like, from your perspective, why did Todd leave ECW? I think it was the whole WCW that kind of fell through. I don't remember details of it. I remember, I thought there was like a like a plan for a bunch of guys to go to WCW. Mm-hmm. And I think Todd was the one that kind of 
uh, was kind of spearheading the whole thing. Uh. So I'm, I think I could be way wrong. I'm sure somebody out there knows the real scoop, and they'll, right. you know. Well, they'll say I, that. Heard, I, think that's I had heard at some point, like, he sold whatever part he had back to Paul E., but, you know, in business, one would think, like, well, he's doing that for some reason, you right. know, but you never know. Yeah. I, I think if he had a whole plan to take a bunch of guys like Sandman and Fonzie and a couple other guys to WCW that fell through, or it leaked, and Paul found out, and then I just mm-hmm. it was one of those. Right. Well, <laughs> here I am now with uh, with my dick in my hand, basically. <laughs> so, who contacted you and got you hired when you left to went to WCW? Did was it was it uh, Todd Gordon? Did he have anything to do with that, or was that long after and somebody else from the office contacted you? Yeah, no, that was long after that. It was uh, Perry Saturn. Okay. Help uh, get me in. You know what a clusterfuck that was. <laughs> right. Well, the pay you... was nice. almost, almost three grand every week was nice. Wow. Damn. Yeah. It's like but, a... yeah, but it was shit show. Yeah. It's like here's a used Buick. You can have that every week <laughs> as long as you work here, <laughs> which is a pretty sweet deal. I mean, I took a Buick yeah, every I mean, week. It was... it... While creatively and Work-wise, it sucked. Right. It was nice because, well, I wasn't living home at the time. I had moved out by this point. But, uh, so I, I can't do the go. international yeah, tour. I'm grounded. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> I can't make my pay-per-view attention. I'm not allowed to go to Louisville. <laughs> my mom feels there might be uh, inbreeding. That might be dangerous. <laughs> but... Uh, that was nice because you know I was getting almost three grand a week, and my body healed up pretty good, so I didn't really work that much. Right. right. So, you know, I I treated myself to some nice things. That's you awesome. Know. Well, you know, you debuted in WCW, and you had a match against Kidman at uh, the pay per view, and yeah. you you guys had a great match. I remember watching that back, and like I said, we were big fans of Mikey Whipwreck. We were we were huge fans. We thought it was awesome, and then you got the the rub from Mick Foley, who which we loved watching global wrestling all the way back yeah. to those days. So you were over with him. You were way over with us. Um, why didn't they do more? Like I remember being frustrated as a kid in high school, going, "Why aren't they doing more with you guys? Why do you think they just dropped the ball with you after that great match?" Well, I know Virgil was not happy because <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate even admitting this. It's just like Jesus Christ. But it's like it, Kim and I had that match, right? And right after us, it was Virgil against Stevie Ray, the Burn battle burner. for the NWO, battle for the NWO Black and White. <laughs> Jesus. So the NWO two years earlier had been or three years earlier Hogan Hall and Nash right it had fallen so far that the <laughs> battling parties the Trump Clinton debate <laughs> had fallen to the equivalent of Virgil versus Stevie Ray who won that match do you know because <laughs> I sure don't it wasn't the fans. 
<laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I, but, I don't remember. But it was for NWO Black and White. It was so valuable at the time. Uh, man. Uh. So, you know you made you know you made us look like shit out there, right? <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah, that that was the end of me. Yeah. Oh wow. So, what is is that the reason why you decided to leave ECW? And when you left, this was a time when WCW was doing this thing where they were hiring people just to sit at home. Lanny Poffo sat at home, never wrestled a match, and collected a check from WCW just so he didn't go to WWE or WWF at the time. Did you have any problems getting out of your contract? Uh, did they nope. did they make you sit at home? What was the deal on that? He was at home while I was under contract. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it was one of those. This to show you how badly I wanted to work and where my head was at, in like uh, really giving too much of a shit. Was I remember sitting home? Well, I remember the week before. It was we did. Uh, where the fuck was it? Kiss was in it. Where the fuck was that? Oh, it was in Vegas. That, that was the same. Oh, yeah. same when, when Eric, we had the meeting with Eric, and he said, anybody who want to be here can go. And Raven walked out, and Conan walked out, <laughs> yeah. trying, to get the, trying to get the release. But I didn't say anything. I'm going, well, you know, now nah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just fucking sit here. And I had a match with Chase Tatum. I believe he drop kicked me in the shin, I think. <laughs> and it was probably the worst match I've ever had. <laughs> And I remember Sid was coming out to powerbomb us. I remember this. And I remember begging Sid to please powerbomb me off the apron to the floor. He goes, you, you can't take that. I go, I can take anything else. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, so I'm thinking to myself, well, if I take this powerbomb on the floor, I could act like I'm really hurt and I could probably sit home for fucking months. You know what I mean? I don't want to have to put up with the bullshit from my mom saying I'm going to Florida. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I was like, well, I could, I could do this at home for months and you know, just really not do anything. You, you know, know so I, really, I, I just wanted to work. It just wasn't happening. Ironically, I, Mick Foley did the same exact thing. He was trying to get Vader to hurt him when he was wrestling in WCW because he just didn't care anymore. Hey, I didn't travel with a guy for years for nothing. <laughs> so, 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 so I'm thinking about, okay, I can do this hard out of it, right? But then I remember the Evan Courageous was there, right? Right. And it was just like, this fucking guy. Like, I remember he got to work Randy Savage on Thunder, right? <laughs> and uh, he goes to the ring, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and Savage is like, Mikey, brother, brother. He goes, watch the elbow tonight. And I'm going, Oh, he's gonna kill this kid. <laughs> so, so Randy, I don't know if he dropped like three elbows on him, but he fucking it was all that, you know. There was there was no there was no legs first. It was all just he was this whole thing. <laughs> Savage comes back and he goes, "I told you, brother, brother." And he went to his little trailer. Well, Evan Courageous comes back, all pissed off. Where is he? I go, who? Savage. I go, he's just I'm gonna go fuck it. I go. If you know what's good for you, you're not going to say shit. <laughs> you're going to go say thank you. And he goes, was everything okay? You're going to say yes. Oh, but he, I go, but I don't know whatever happened with it. But I remember that, that after that, being in Las Vegas, and after my lovely match with Chase Tatum, that was really ranked up there with the, uh, you know, Shawn <laughs> Michaels, Undertaker, matches of Mania. Uh. Uh, Gosh, that's I don't think awesome. this, I don't think it's often, but I was begging to work with fucking Van Hammer every 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh. <laughs> he uh, 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 Hampton says to me, Mikey, you're gonna learn tonight. I'm not as bad as they said I am. <laughs> okay. We get to the back, and I'm sitting there probably eating after the show, and he goes, "See, Mikey, what do you think? I told you." I'm not as bad as I said it was. I said, "Oh, you're worse." <laughs> and I said, "All I said, all deadpan like Bobby Heenan," and he ate Bobby up. But I, I never back to Vegas as I'm going scatterbrained here. Oh, that's fine. I remember telling, I remember telling Jimmy Hart, I go, Jimmy, I'm sitting home doing nothing. I said, I can have good matches with anybody. I said, you know, but you have this guy, and I pointed the Red Devil Rages, who's on TV every week, getting a push because he's in shape. He's a good-looking guy, and he sucks. Yeah. I said. So I said. So if I got, if I went home, got on the gas, tightened up, and blew every spot, would I get a big push? He goes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> What's so the then, elbow, brother? Yeah. What's the elbow? Fast forward a couple of days, I'm home and I'm watching Evan Courageous win the cruiserweight strap. <laughs> um, I go. That's it. I quit. So I, I call Taz. I go. I said, tell Paul I'll come back. I'm going to quit. I was going to fucking quit. I can't fucking take it. Well, when you went back to ECW, you reinvented yourself. I mean, you paired up with Tajiri. And look, dude, I was a big fan of that whole team, the way that, you know, you were paired with James Mitchell and all that. I mean, whose idea was it to change your look and be paired up with Tajiri? I was going to do it in WCW. I said to Perry, I said, Perry, what if I dye my hair red? Get like Muda pants and, and all the stuff. And you compare me with, uh, with uh, what do they call Vandenberg, I guess they call them? Yeah. They, yeah. They, you know, with, with Vandy. You know, he's like, oh, no, don't bother. They won't do anything. You do all that, you'll get the same push. I go, oh, great. <laughs> and then I went back to ECW, and I knew, I talked to Paul. He goes, you know, I have to bury you forever, you know. I can't, if you if I if you come back and I give you a huge push, you know, the guy's gonna be pissed. I go, Paul, I don't give a fuck. I said, I said, I'll get over. Don't worry about it. If you just let me work, I'll get over. Right. So you can beat me every night. I don't give a shit. And he did the first well, run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just you know, and then we. And I said, Paul, I get this idea where I just go nuts. Like I've, I've, <laughs> I've you made me crazy. I said, I, he's like, you think? I go, I think it'll work. And then we had, we had a. Uh, it was going to be a takeoff initially with the devil, with Vandenberg and Raven. Where it was going to be uh, the devil would have like this mind control over Raven. And it was, a, it was going to be a whole takeoff on the whole uh, Brian Wilson thing. Yeah. We had to hit, hit like that. I think the guy's name was Dr. Eugene Landy. Was the guy who, who had like Brian Wilson like, you know, brainwashed and shit. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was going to be, that was going to be Vandy with, uh, with Raven. And then, well, Scotty left, and so that didn't really pan through. Uh, so they put him with me, and we just he said, let's come up with the most stupid, bizarre things that we can come up with, like ridiculous promos that make, like, no sense or just completely bizarre. Right. And uh, it just worked. When you go shopping for wine, do you look at the labels? Do you stare at the price and wonder if the wine is worth the expensive tag? Well, stop it, because Wine of the Month Club has you covered. Every month, Wine of the Month Club is going to send you two bottles of high-quality wine right to your front door. 
And what better way to say I'm thinking of you than a subscription to the original Wine of the Month Club for a friend or a sweetheart. Each month they'll be reminded of your thoughtfulness and will receive the monthly wine letter and newsletter binder. Recipes, wine knowledge, and great wine, and the opportunity to get more of their favorites is at hand. Give with confidence and joy knowing that you're a part of the original Wine of the Month Club. By the way, there are no dues, no fees, no hidden charges. Cancel anytime with no obligation. Just pay no more than $23.96 plus shipping for two great bottles of wine. Go there now. Sign up by visiting our link, tinyurl.com slash p3wine. That's tinyurl.com slash p3wine. The Wine of the Month Club, the original wine club since 1972. Well, the sound of that song means we've reached the end of part one with Mikey for this week it's all over with but come back next week for part two where we will talk more about WCW WWE we'll even talk about going back to ECW you you won't want to miss it Mikey was awesome he was very entertaining and we even probably talk a little bit more about Vietnam flashbacks or whatever but if you want to follow us on Facebook please do so it's Pop Poncho if you want to follow us on Twitter it's P3 Radio 1 You can send us an email at p3radio1 at gmail.com, or you can give us a call. Heck, prank call us. We don't care. Or send us a a name of a wrestler that you would like to hear us talk to. We'd love to talk to anybody, so just tell us who you'd want to hear from. You can call that number at 731-300-MORK. That's 731-300-6675. For Josh Broly, this has been Richard Mulliken saying thanks for listening, and good night. Florida Ticket Station. Florida. Your one-stop shop for discounted tickets on all of Orlando's best theme parks. Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. Orlando. All of Orlando's events. Fucking Orlando. All of Orlando's local attractions. Orlando. And so much more. Yeah. They offer affordable tickets to Disney World. Mickey Universal Studios, Back to the Future, Sea World, Legoland, Everything is Awesome, Bush Gardens, I don't know what that is, and so much more. But but seriously, Josh, they are licensed and insured with the state of Florida. Florida. So you can rest assured that your reservations are valid. Valid. Summer's coming and vacation time's right around the corner. So go to tinyurl.com slash p3florida and book your Orlando vacation today. Today. tinyurl.com slash p3florida.